takes the snap, Kirk back to pass, back at the end zone, caught, touchdown! Kyle Rudolph with another spectacular one-handed grab. Facing a blitz, straight drop, ball's batted in the air, intercepted, yes! Defense and touchdown, Minnesota Vikings! It's Anthony Harris, well done young man! What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I am your host, Cy Amundsen. Across from me, Chris, Cor- the newly engaged Chris <laughs> Corso from Vikings.com. Our little baby got engaged over Thanksgiving. Aw. <laughs> to the left of him, that aw noise came from Jay Nelson, the man who puts our prep together and every week puts a real dumb title at the top. You're this, welcome. This week he wrote Sleepless in Seattle. No. Sleepless after Seattle. That is correct. So, sorry for the mistake. Every time you do it, it makes me want to throw these papers at you. You're welcome. Uh, but we were sleepless after Seattle uh, because it was, Chris, it was a very up and down game. Uh, there were some very uncharacteristic things that happened, but all that being said, we did have the ball in our hands at the end of the game with a chance to win. There's at least some positivity there. Yeah, I guess you have to feel good. If you have the ball with a chance to take the lead at the end of the game, it was 34-30, and Kirk Cousins had a chance to bring the team down the field, that says a lot about this team and the way they fought in this game. Absolutely, and, that, and that's kind of been the theme, and I think you can look at it two ways. It's kind of been the theme for our losses this year, and three of our four losses, the big ones, Chiefs, Packers, Seahawks, Our offense had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win this thing. We haven't been able to execute, so that's if you you want to land on the negative side of things, you can. But the fact that in those hostile environments, we've had the chance to win, that has to at least give you confidence that we can compete in some big games in the playoffs. You know, and hearing Kirk on his show this week under center, he sat here and he said, he was asked by by Mark Rosen, "How are you feeling today? How you feel you're, you're you're playing Detroit?" And he said, "You know what? I I don't feel good." He said, "I played well, but I don't feel good because I have a sour taste in my mouth because the last drive I was on the field, I didn't get it done." So all these people who are throwing their shots and zero and eight on Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins. I mean, he, he brought the team back. It was 34-17 to in the third quarter, and the Vikings have a chance to win because of the way that the offense played without Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Absolutely, and I, and I think that's, that's going to be the tough thing continuously for Kirk because I think he played fantastic. He, if you watch that game back, he made great throws. He, like you said, he led, a good, he led a good comeback, and then, unfortunately, he misfired when the game was on the line. So that, that'll be... That'll, and, and the interesting thing about Kirk is he knows that. You know, all this noise that exists out there doesn't even need to exist out there. He's a guy who puts a lot of pressure on himself, plays really well, and knows what it takes to get to that level. So it's interesting when you hear him reflect on losses when there's uh, such a division about exactly what happened. But all in all, you know, I, I thought it was, it was a good game from him and the offense. If, if you look... At the surprising negatives, you have to start with the rush defense. Even the head coach was obviously not pleased, but admitted his surprise at Seattle's 
commitment to running the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And it was literally the tale of two halves because in the first half, the Vikings' defense was outstanding. They held Russell Wilson to his lowest ever quarterback rating in the first half at Seattle at home. Absolutely. And here to jump on top of that, it, it was it was almost like I personally am always pushing for a more explosive offense because I think we have the pieces. But when you know the type of games that this team wants to play, that first half could not have gone better. You kick it off, you get a stop. You score a touchdown, you get a defensive pick six, and then you Our ru- first score of the season for the defense. Absolutely. But then, you know, even though they go down, you get it, you hold them to a field goal, and then you run the two minute drill and you get a field goal. So that first half could not have gone better. And that was a big boy drive. You know, you're under a minute with getting the ball just at the get, end of the yes, half. Just getting that ball down the field as quickly as you did and getting to that seven point margin. I think everybody felt really, really good at the way the first half ended. Especially coming out and you get the ball in the second half. And then, Chris, it did not go the way we wanted it to go. I, I just, let's start with the rushing attack because everybody, including the head coach, was obviously surprised and frustrated. By yeah, that. and we were talking about this earlier preparing for the show. What Pete Carroll did was outstanding because. He knew that the Vikings were going to try to take away Russell Wilson moving around in the pocket and throwing the ball down the field. So what did he do? He attacked the Vikings with the run. He stacked the offensive line with an extra man who is a huge tight end. Fant is his last name. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much an offensive line. I was going to say, if that, guy's, if that guy's a tight end, he's an, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a supermodel. Exactly. And that's what he did. He put an extra lineman on the field, and he gave the ball to Chris Carson, and he said, go. And he did the same thing with Rashad Penny. The two of them working off of each other, the hard-hitting back of Carson and the quicker guy in Penny, the way that they, they, they ran for 218 yards on this Vikings defense, the most that the Vikings defense has, has given up on the ground all year, it was impressive. And, you know, the couple of things that stuck out for me was, one, I didn't necessarily hate that we struggled against the run. Now, let, let me get to the end of that point because I know that sounds insane. It's, it's a lot of the same way that I felt when we played uh, Dallas. Right. Seattle's a very, very good football team. So you have, to, you have to decide what is it important for us to do to win this game. And so I think you go into this game, you go, we are going to contain Russ. Russ is not going to break contain and crush us. So if they're going to beat us, they're going to have to beat us on the ground. It's just unfortunately in this situation, they did beat us on the ground. I think the thing that surprised me the most was their success, and the thing that felt the most uncharacteristic to me was their success on first down running. Because every time they snapped the ball, it felt like the line of scrimmage was already two yards forward. You know, they were getting this huge push. And then when you see them get, what, what was the stat we had, Jay, for how many rushing plays on first down? So the deal on first down is they had 13 rushing plays of four yards or more on first down. So think about that. That's crazy. That means 13 times in this game, they were at second and six or less. Because if you remember, it was often that it was second. They, they would get eight on first down, nine on first down. And so the thing about a team like Seattle is when you give them second and six or less, their entire playbook is available with playmakers all over the field and an MVP candidate quarterback. So to me, that that was the really difficult thing. And you're right about the heavy sets, but to just be constantly behind the eight ball, it's you're not going to beat a lot of Super Bowl caliber teams giving up that many yards on the ground on first down. And Courtney Cronin had the stat that was in there as well, saying they had 143 yards before contact 
So if you're telling me that you're going to give Seattle 143 yards in a game before contact, that's going to be really, really difficult to beat. And the other thing that was just crazily skewed, is that a word? Crazily? Crazily skewed. I'll give credit for it. I sound like a, a car salesman on a local commercial. All our prices are crazily skewed. <laughs> Chris, the, the, the amount of, I mean, that's what happens when you run the ball, but the, the clock management. The they're time not, of possession. Time of possession. That's what I'm looking for. 39-45, the Seattle Seahawks offense had the ball. And what that does is it makes your defense really start to struggle because the defense gets tired. They're not as quick on their feet as they normally would be when they're well-rested. And the Vikings offense has to sit around. It's amazing to me that the Vikings offense scored 23 points in this game when 39-45, they weren't even on the field. It really is pretty amazing. It's shocking. And, you know, I, I've watched a lot of Seattle, and anybody who watches a lot of Seattle knows that this was their ideal game. They want to get a lead, and then what they do is they run every play clock down to about 10 seconds before they snap. I mean, if Pete Carroll had it his way, there would have been three drives in the second half. If you get in that situation against a team like that, it's going to be very difficult to come back. But then also, we did have a push. So it says a little bit more about that thing I was talking about last week. This no huddle, hurry up offense. There is something here. There is something here that, uh, and, and this is by no means a criticism of when and how we're using it. To me, this is a, this is an enthusiasm. I, I have to believe at some point this team will look at pulling that out when a team is not expecting it. Yeah, I want to build on that as well because at the knock on Kirk Cousins is he when the game needs to come down into his hands and he needs to win the game for the Vikings, he doesn't do it. That's what the that's what the take is. And think about it, the last the take. The last couple of games when the Vikings are down big, the Vikings lean on Kirk Cousins to bring the team back into the game. He won one against Denver at home and he lost the one against Seattle on the road, but when you're down in that spot, 34-17, to 17, I was listening to PA and, and Lieber and, and Bursich, those guys on the broadcast. They were like, they need to score on every single drive or else this game is over. And that's what Kirk did. They scored on every drive until the last drive where, where The one down. where you win, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the one where we win. <laughs> but I just want to say that the Vikings offense, Diggs said it after the game. They battled. And when, when they thought the game was over— it wasn't over yet. Well, what it does when we what it does when we have these comebacks is it instills like it, it gives me this level of confidence that we're capable of playing that way. Now you have to take into consideration when a team's up seventeen, you know they're playing a certain style of defense. A team's up twenty, they're playing a certain style of defense. I think it also says a lot about Stefanski. I think it says a lot about this offense when they're not putting pressure on themselves. To do anything other than score the football. Yeah. When this offense, when this offense is just like, and I'm not that has that's no comment on running, passing. When they're just out there, like we're going to score the football. They usually score the football. So I, I'll be super curious. I said it after the Denver game. I'm going to say it after this game. I'll be super curious to see how once people go back and look at that tape, and once people assess what that style does for us, how it will affect what we do going forward. Let's talk positives. Let's talk. To, let's well, I thought run. that was a positive. It felt like <laughs> it's the it lead felt, in. It to, felt like we were, the, we were gearing into positive. Let me let me give one more. Let me give one more. Not negative, but we have to talk about Xavier Rhodes. We have to talk about Xavier Rhodes because Xavier Rhodes. Uh, if you've ever been on Twitter, divisive topic. People were he, he had a what appeared to be a blown assignment and an altercation on the sideline. 
got thrown at a lot. But then here's the interesting thing, because I'm I've continuously on this podcast been the Xavier Rhodes defender to the point where when he got burned on Monday night for that touchdown, I got like a dozen text messages from people like, oh, look at what your boy's doing. So first of all, relax in my DMs, everybody. But secondly, to get burned like that, to go off on the sideline, have words with the coach, freak out, have words with everybody, and then shortly thereafter be put back in the game. I, I understand that that wasn't an ideal performance, but it shows a level of confidence in him and what he's capable of and what they think they need him to do. And sometimes when you do that, let's say Kirk had led that game-winning drive. You know what is one of the main talking points that the we'd be discussing right forced. now? The fumble he forced. Yep. See, I understand that it was a rough go on one side and he's had a tough couple games, but I'm still a believer that this dude is a good cornerback and he made what would have it would have been tantamount to the Andrew Sandejo fumble or excuse me interception in the Broncos game. So yeah. I, I'm super curious to see how uh, this Xavier thing plays out as the season goes on because I'm going to continue to be a supporter and fight with people on the internet. You know, it was nice to see him get back in the game and be able to contribute in a positive way after the negative occurrence. Yeah, and he addressed the, the the media in the locker room on Wednesday, and he took full accountability for that play. Yep. He took full accountability for his actions on the sideline. And that that's a – people don't realize – I mean, he's been with the team. He's one of the longest tenured Vikings on the, on the entire defense. He's been around. He's been here since Zimmer started. He's a player that was here before Zimmer, and Zimmer kind of morphed him into the defensive back that, that – made it to consecutive Pro Bowls and used to lock down every top wide receiver on every... He was the reason why this team was so dominant on defense in the past couple years. And I know he's getting to that age where you start thinking about cornerbacks and you hit the 30-year mark and and stuff like that. It's harder to be fast in those ways. But you hit it on the head. One thing that's not talked about enough in football is if you have a top-notch shutdown corner that can eliminate a top-notch receiver... That is how elite defenses are created. Yep. That's what Jalen Ramsey did in Jacksonville. That's what Daryl Rivas did for the Patriots. That's you know, and, but he did it for the Patriots <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. Yes. But like, but but no, no, that wasn't a mistake. Yeah. Bill Belichick always focuses on trying to have a shutdown corner. Yep. So when he's he got went, one now in, in Gilmore. Yep. So when he went out to get. Revis. He yep. did that specifically knowing that if he put Revis on the defense that he had, that was a Super Bowl team. And that's literally what happened. Yep. And I think that's why this past weekend's performance, especially at the end, just not being able to finish it off with a win, was so frustrating because guys like Tyler Lockett, who have been a, a pretty dominant wide receivers in the league this year, zero catches, zero yards. Yeah, You shut him down with your scheme and you were able to make that happen. It just so happens that the other way, when you had a blown assignment, hits you for a long bomb touchdown, and it's such a huge play. Yeah, and it was it's it was kind of like the little boy sticking his thumb in the dike is what it felt like because you know we're going into the break going what's going on with the pass defense and outside of that blown assignment, hell of a job by the by the secondary. And that's what Zimmer said in his uh, conference call following the game. He was asked by the media, what did you think about Xavier Rhodes? And they were expecting the answer or whatever. And he said, actually, technically, he really did look like he improved. He addressed the, the blown assignment, but he said, technically, the corners were doing something in this game that was much improved from the past couple weeks. So, And we know that was Zimmer's main point when he was sitting at his ranch over this little bye week. He looked at every single play, and this is what he's looking for. So if Zimmer can't solve this issue, you have the best guy in the world that can solve this issue. So if you're a Vikings fan, at least you have to believe that 
that it, these guys are going to get the direction they need. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, the other thing is they were blasting stats all over Monday Night Football. Four catches for 100 yards. And you're like, yeah, but if let's be real. At that point, 60-yard at, at that point, assignment. Yeah, without that, it was three catches for 40 yards or 30 yards. And we were we were into the game. You know, we were we were into the second half. So I, it, it was a little overdramatic for me. Uh, you know, the other thing that Zimmer talked about in his presser was Kyle Rudolph, who after, you know, really kind of reinventing himself as, uh, you know, a blocking tight end and really helping lead this run game, things have really turned on for him from a reception standpoint, and he seems to have become a real safety valve for Kirk in important moments. Yeah, absolutely, and Kirk, he talks about it every week. I mean, you can throw the ball just about anywhere in his vicinity, and he's going to make the play. He did it on the last drive of the game on a huge pass down the field, and he does it on that touchdown that brings the Vikings within four points of of the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, when Kirk is needed an extra wide receiver with Thielen out, it hasn't been a wide receiver. It's been Kyle Rudolph. He's been the next target that Kirk goes to after Stephon Diggs. And you saw what Seattle was doing. They were doubling Diggs, and they were stopping the Vikings from throwing the ball down the field to Diggs. Other than that one play where Kirk just missed Diggs, there were not many opportunities for him to, to catch the ball down the field. So Kyle Rudolph was the option for Kirk for most of the game. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, as we look forward and what do you take from this game other than some frustrations, I think given everything that we've said so far on this show, let me give you two things to think about. One, Adam Thielen is coming back at some point. And the fact that Kyle Rudolph has emerged, Alexander Madison has been playing well, and both BC Johnson and Irv Smith have stepped up a little bit. Now adding Adam back into that mix gives Kirk a ton of options going forward. To me, I was basically thinking, when Adam Thielen comes back, you might see a completely different-looking offense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole thing that's got to be terrifying for teams that are going to be scheming against you is, well, we've got film on these guys for the last eight weeks. At the same point, Adam Thielen played, what, three snaps in that whole thing? Yeah. So if all of a sudden you unleash him right before the playoffs or at the playoffs, yep. now you're guessing, what is this going to look like and where are they going to go with the ball? Are we going to stay with Rudolph? Are we going with Thielen? Is it going to be Diggs? What's going to happen? It, it can get really interesting real quick. Now let's do the other side of the ball, the same exact thing. You know, yes, we got gashed on Monday night running the ball, but Linval Joseph is coming back from a knee procedure. You know, he was out there, gave it his all, but to me, he's, he's not at 100%. He's working towards 100%. He was out there busting his ass. But the Linval that we're going to get next week and the week after that and the week after that is going to be better and better and better till we have him back at the guy he is. And I'm telling you, with a completely healthy Linval Joseph, ain't nobody running for 218 yards on this Vikings defense in the playoffs. So that, that's, as a Viking fan, as those guys come back healthy and really find their groove, I think that's a positive thing. And last thing, building off that, I saw Robert Griffith tweet this out, former Viking safety. We, we've had him here in Number VM. 24. Yes, and he tweeted this out. Or as my out. brother called him, Robert Griffiths. He said that— Because my brother can't speak. <laughs> he, he literally tweeted, the best thing that could happen from these kind of losses is it for it to happen with like four games left heading into the playoffs because these defining losses that come down to the last— you think Kirk Cousins isn't going to remember that? 
heading into the next time we go to Seattle during the playoffs. So I really think that there is a lot to build on from a 30-37 to loss in Seattle with the game on the line. I I think there's so much to build on on both sides of the ball. One of the tough moments from the game was the turnover difference. You know, we got a couple turnovers, but we gave up too many turnovers. Uh, That being said, one of the turnovers we got was turned into our first defensive touchdown of the year, which it's been so long since we've... This is such a good defense, but it's been so long since we've had one of those. It almost shocked me. I was like, what is happening? And it couldn't have happened to a better dude. One of our favorites here at VEN, Anthony Harris, gets his first touchdown of his career, and we were able to have him come sit down, talk with us about the pick, uh, the season, and uh, some other things. How's that for a setup, Chris Corso? (laughs) Nailed it. Cue Anthony Harris. All right, we are here in studio with me I'm going to say medium Madden player until he pro- until he proves me otherwise. <laughs> Fantastic actual football player, uh, fresh off his first career defensive touchdown, Anthony Harris. What's up, man? What's up, man? I'm doing all right. Feeling all right? Feeling good. What was that? Now, I know the game didn't turn out the the way that you wanted it to and we wanted it to, but when you saw that ball, when you saw Russ bat that thing, did you already have end zone in your eyes? I was thinking it was mine before he batted it. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, I look up, I see him throwing to the tight end, so I'm thinking, you know, get a good break on it, maybe try to affect the pass. And then once it's batted, I see it in the air, and I just I just continue to run. You know, I'm thinking when it comes down, it would be funny if, you know, the ball bounced off someone's helmet and I was able to, like, actually dive out, catch the ball, and get an interception. It'd be great. Yeah. So as I'm running, I that's what I'm thinking, and then he bats it, and I'm like, I got a shot in this. Yeah. He got batted and, twice, though. Yeah, I got batted twice. So off of the second one, I pretty much I knew I was going to have a chance to catch it. And from there, it was just, you know, I've had a chance to get some interceptions. And um, I look back over them, and I'm always thinking, you know, I got I to gotta get some yards out to catch on these. Yeah, you know, yeah, you I got to get in the end zone, you know. Yeah. I want to I want to finish the big play with the big play. So you were moving. Um, you were like you had the momentum. So you're yeah, gone. You're yeah. Yeah. So right before I even caught it, I just like peeped off to the left. I'm like, okay, if I can split right here, I thought I catch it. I'm good. And you know, Ross caught it. Catch you. He caught could. it, and it was one guy just try to hit him with a little hand swipe, and then that was it. So the interesting thing I think about safeties is there is so many different types of safeties that play the game. You know, and do you find because, you know, you have guys who are just out there to break people. That's mm-hmm. that, the old one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very much so. But do you, do you find that because you've had a lot of interceptions in the last couple of years, you know, early in your career. You got four this year. I think Leads the team. Two off Matt Ryan. Do you feel like that's, that's a part of your game and something that you focus on a bit, or are they just falling where you're walking? Um, no, I've always, I've always kind of been that person to attack the ball. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just offensive instinct. I've always just been that aggressive person. So for me, it's just, you know, making the play that's there. You know, if the ball's in the air, I want the turnover. You know, I want the change of possession, opportunity to put some points on the board myself or get the ball to the offense right away. So I'm looking to attack the ball. You know, mm-hmm. when the ball carries are running, if there's an opportunity to punch the ball out, I'm trying to do that. But if I can make an interception, I'm going to go for it. And if I can't, 
I'm trying to get the ball out and dislarge it. I'm going to give you a very nice compliment, but I don't want it to do anything to your ego. So just emotionally prepare for it. <laughs> the way you do that, the way on Saturday or on uh, Monday night, and the way you kind of hawk two balls, it reminds me a little bit of Ed Reed. <laughs> because back that you remember watching Ed Reed when a ball popped in the air, Ed Reed could have been on the sideline, and all of a sudden you're like, Ed Reed picked oh. it off. <laughs> so you you do it's it's kind of like you do have that ability. No matter where you are on the field, you have a good presence for where the ball. At. And that feels like, does that mix well with Harry's style? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Harry, Harry's a, he's a ball hawk too. Yep. Um, he's very versatile. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like his game a lot. You know, his disguise and his big hits. But he's had some great interceptions as well. So, me, I try to be balanced. You know, he, mm-hmm. he's a balanced player. I try to have that balance. So, I feel like we complement each other very well. Um, you know, me being able to go in the box, him being able to go back. And then vice versa. I feel like it's just a good fit. What was it like to get Sendejo back in the building? It's a great. He's a great dude. He's a His great Hulk dude. Hawk um, left the locker room though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that that just tells you the type of impact and the type of player that he is. You know, um, the impact that he's had with this team. You know, not only as a player but just as a great locker room guy, great teammate. Um, he's helped me a lot. You know, over the years, me playing behind him, he's always been able to you know share wide open open book tests. Um, if I had any questions. So you can only tip your hat to a guy like that. Some people think it's a weird dynamic, but, you know, we all love each other. We all root for each other whenever yep. each other's out there. So um, him being in the lineup, uh, I believe it was Denver game, yep. getting yep. an interception, you know, I'm one of the first guys on the field. Like that's, my, like, that's my guy. We're celebrating. So, and then the same thing, you know, last week, you know, I make a play and he's right there. So it's one, just one big team, one big family. We all supporting each other, and like who's ever out there, we're pulling for you to do successful. Did you ask him yeah. why he dyed his hair yellow? You know, him changing it up, mixing the hair in a little bit. Some people look, and it's it's like a big wow to him. Just like he's got some swagger. Yeah, he's he's got some swagger. You know, he he's not afraid to you know change it up. The interesting thing about you, man, amongst other things, is being undrafted. Like, I, I was saying this today on uh, something else we were doing. I think there's two types of undrafted guys in the league. There's guys who come in, and because there's a lot of them. There's a surprising amount of undrafted dudes around the league. But they come in, they carve out a niche, and they have a nice little career. Fourth wide receiver, gunner on special teams. And then there's the Thielen route, the John Randall route. These dudes who come in, and I, this is going to be a cross-sport comparison, but you, did you like KG? Yeah, yeah. KG every offseason, you come back and be like, what? He's got a turnaround now? Yeah. And I kind of see that in you, the Thielen, the rent. Like every season you come back and there's something new to your game and something improved. How do you go into each offseason? I'm like, I, again, I'm complimenting you too much, but he's over here talking about Sendeo, so I got to bring it <laughs> back to you. No, I mean, um, I don't know. It's just my mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's the NFL, it's a very competitive level, it's a lot mm-hmm. of talent. Um, there's people all over the country, all over the world that get scouted. So for me, my mindset is I don't really see myself as like an unfree agent, a free agent guy who comes in and, you know, just have a solid career. Yeah. I mean, I deep down truly feel that, you know, I was one of the better players coming out. Yeah. And, you know, circumstances being injured, I wasn't really able to really show, you know, what I could do as far as the combines and the different things that the scouts yeah. like to see. So for me, it's just... I think I have that ability in me, and from a fan's perspective, you've just been able to get it as the opportunity has been able to come. I'll never, I'll never forget his first game when he came in 
and it was against the Cardinals on that Thursday night game, and you started that yeah, game. Yeah. We had no safeties that were healthy. Harrison yeah. was hurt, Sandeo was hurt, and you I mean, you came in in that game, and you were just ready. He was ready to play. We had Terrence Newman played safety in that game. Yeah. So And you played alongside him. and, I, and Terrence we Newman at 60 years old. Playing <laughs> safety. He played the nickel, he played the outside corner, and then he was playing safety in that mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And Anthony was the one who came in that game, and he, he it was, I mean, you were, it was like you were ready to go. Yeah. Well, let's do a couple season questions here, and we'll get you out of there. Okay. It's the the interesting thing is we come down the stretch here, and the team obviously has a huge opportunity. When you look back at the few losses we've had, the specifically the Chiefs, Green Bay, and the Seahawks, despite them not going ideally, we had those right at the end, there was the opportunity to pull it off. Do you feel like we're close? Do you feel like it's, it's just a little bit of execution away? Because to go into Seattle, I, I know it wasn't perfect to get there, but to get to the point to have a chance to win... We're, it feels like we're on the verge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously believe in the guys we got in the locker room. We believe in the coaches. And, you know, we're all just believing in one another. We just got to put it all together. So, you know, the losses we've had this year didn't go the way we wanted. Um, you look at the tape and you see a lot of good things and you see some things that can obviously be corrected. Um, but you got to believe that, you know, if we can put it all together as a team, then we have the things that we need and the pieces that we need to get things done that we want to get accomplished. Absolutely. Uh, and that's that's kind of what clicked in my brain after each of those games. You're just like, ah. And that's that's the sort of thing that you want to be pulling together this time of the year. Yeah, you know? yeah. Are you looking forward to anything? Is is that Green Bay game? I know we're one game at a time, but is are you looking forward to any specific game, or are you excited about any part of this team coming together at this time? Like, what what's in front of you? I, I know it's I know you're – you and I have talked before, and you're pretty focused on what's right in front of you. Yeah. But as you look forward, is there anything you're excited for? Just the next game. You. I mean, I... <laughs> no, I know he's right. He's right. Here's, that's this, just my mindset. Let me tell you, he he played Madden with us, and I was asking him questions like this. And I have not been around a lot of people who genuinely. You are genuinely <laughs> like some people say, like one foot in front of the other. I'm doing my, but that's genuinely yeah. how you are. That's how you go from undrafted to starting safety. Yeah, in <laughs> I so. knew that's the answer I was gonna get, but I still I still yeah. wanted to push you and be like, oh, Packers, let's let's destroy them. But no, no, you can't, you can't, you can't look too far ahead. Absolutely, know? that's how you trip up over yourself. You know, you're looking too far ahead. I believe it's truly a process. You know, in everything, there's always a process, and in the process, there are steps. So you can't skip over them because each detail is important. So Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's just I really love the game. I really, you know, love being on the field playing. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's just look forward to tomorrow. Like, let me study on, you know, what we're doing tomorrow, go out, have a great day tomorrow. Let me put another day together and just keep stacking days. And then eventually it's game day. And from that point, I'm just thinking – We've practiced all week. Yeah. Now I finally get to go out and cut it loose, play, and have fun. Like, you know, we've, we've put in the preparation. There's nothing more to do but just to go play some football and have fun. So I really look forward to that piece. That's the part that I'm really always excited about. So I don't really look forward to one game because I feel like they're all valuable. And awesome. you never know when that could be your last game. If you count, there's like that's 60s. a very grim answer. There's but like, yes, you're right. There's like sixty days to the Super Bowl or something <laughs> like that. So I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even counting. I'm just like, how many days we got to get paired this for, for uh, this until next we game. see Detroit? Yeah. Well, let me give you a couple pick ones, uh, and I don't mean like looking forward. I mean looking back on your career. Mm-hmm. You get to play in Seattle. You get to play in Dallas. You get to play in Green Bay. Which one of those environments have you liked more? Um, I like I liked the Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Seattle. Um, Green Bay, you know, early on in the career, um, 
it was really exciting, you know. Yeah, because like, of the rivalry. Yeah, because of the rivalry, and you growing up, you know, you hear about you hear about Lambo, you know. Yep. So I'm like, okay, I'm here. It's exciting with the rivalry, the hostility. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I won't say hostility because I've honestly some of the Green Bay fans they seem like they're pretty nice. Yeah. Um, besides when we play them, but it's just been a lot of fun going there. But mm-hmm. Seattle is just something about that it's game. Special. It's something about that game and just the environment and the energy is just. The bigger the stage, the more exciting and the more I want to be on Them lime green jerseys that they're wearing. Yeah, my sister lives out there, and I've been to a few games out there. And there's just something like literally walking into that stadium. There's nothing else out there. Mm -hmm. They have the the soccer team, but that's that's literally, I mean, the Mariners, I suppose, are playing baseball, sort of. But it's kind of their thing out there. Yeah, yeah. Each one's different. You know, the dynamic is different. I feel like with Seattle and Green Bay, you know, it's kind of like its own little piece out there. Where you go down in Dallas, um, and there's just so much going on that it's just kind of more of a light show. I feel like, yeah. Um, so that part's fun, but this, this, the home games are exciting, but the away games, I feel like the fact that there's no one, not many people there are really supporting you, kind of just pushes a different button. But the home games, obviously, with that fan base and that support, um, it's definitely unreal. So here's the other one: you have a week off, hypothetically, you get to watch one game, Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes. Who you tuning into? Ooh, um, probably Lamar Jackson. Right now, <laughs> yeah. see, my I have yeah. I've been getting in this argument with people because yeah. I they they go, who would you rather have for yeah. the next fifteen years? It's still Mahomes for me mm-hmm. because it's what he does is a forever All proven thing. Quarterback, yeah. But right now, one game. Oh, yeah. oh boy! It's, yeah. I watched that Forty Niners, the Forty Niners Ravens game the other day. Oh my god, that was football. It was yeah, just a, I mean, it's a heavyweight battle. Typically, typically, I don't really watch a lot of other watch games. a lot of watch a lot of other games. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll tune in, I'll catch them near the near the end, but yeah. I don't typically watch the you know entire games. Well, yeah, that'd be that'd be intense. Finish yeah. up on Sunday, head home, <laughs> turn on the Sunday night game, then come here Monday and watch film. Yeah, I might that'd I might catch a a, enough film a Monday a Monday night or Thursday night game. You yeah. know, I'll catch those, but those late Sunday ones. That's pretty much it for me, unless I have family in town who wants to catch up. Last question, because I know everybody is different about this. Unfortunately, we lost the control a little. We still have control of getting into the playoffs, but we don't have control over the division anymore. Are you the sort of guy, you might not watch the games, but will you scoreboard watch as the seat? Like, we got Thursday, Bears, Cowboys. They win. They go into Lambeau as a, a team that's tough. Do you pay any attention to that? No. One foot in front of the other, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, as long as we still got an opportunity and the opportunities in front of us, yeah. we're in control of it. Yeah. As long as we just handle, you know, what we need to handle, that's all you want is opportunity. That's kind of how my mindset was yeah. undrafted. I'm like, I just need an opportunity and, you know, I can show you, you know, what, I, what I'm capable of. So, you know, as a team, I'm just like, as long as we have an opportunity and we're con- in control of our own destiny, then let's just control what we can control and then worry about the rest later. Great. Well, let me be corny, man. We're going to get you out of here, but you are one of the nicest dudes I've met here in the building, and we always appreciate your time, and it is so fun to see you be successful on the field and be a part of what we're doing. So thank you for spending time with us. It's always fun when we get to bring a dude in here, and they are as great a guy as Anthony Harris. He's always so fun. He's so open. But I knew Anthony Harris. I knew I couldn't get it out of him, but I had to ask. He's one of my he, – his rookie year, 2015, was my first year in the building. And it doesn't matter if you were, like, literally the website guy and the working in the kitchen, which is what I was at that point in my life. He freaking talked to The anybody. kitchen website yeah, guy. That's literally what I was doing. His office at, was a – At Winter Park. Uh, my office was in the kitchen. So that is correct. He would stop in, Chef chat, Chris. 
<laughs> him and Terrence Newman, they would stop in and chat. He's one of my favorite guys in the building. And talk about a guy we talked about with him. Every opportunity he, he had, he made the best of. He's continuing to do it. It's great to see. Well, let's try to make the best of an opportunity this weekend to get the defense right, to get back on the winning side of things, and to set us up for a strong stretch. Detroit and David the Plow Blau are coming to town after his strong showing on Thanksgiving. The Blau Plow, uh, third string quarterback for Detroit, former Purdue quarterback, comes in leading the Lions offense. And it's it's that same thing, Chris, man. It's it, Zimmer said it once. He said it a hundred times. Young quarterbacks with no tape on them is a difficult thing. Uh, what do you see in uh, in old Blau Plow here coming into Sunday's game? Yeah, that's one of my biggest – it's my take every time we play a rookie quarterback, just talking to some of these coaches. When they don't have tape on guys, I know you have your college tape at Purdue. A lot of you Minnesota Gophers fans probably have seen David Blau play Who? multiple times in the Big Ten. But for a rookie to come in and have the type of – performance that he had against the Chicago Bears defense on Thanksgiving Day. There's something to be said for that, and I think he's going to have the same approach coming in going against our defense. I mean, the guy was impressive. Well, and there's really nothing to lose for a guy like that yep. because your expectations, it's not like anyone is expecting you as you're not a first-round pick, you're not the savior of the season. You have two quarterbacks injured. You can only really help yourself. If you go out there and you play poorly, everybody goes, ah, it's a tough situation. He's a third stringer. He belongs in the league, but that's a tough spot. Then he goes out and plays well, you know, he can do a lot for himself. So I always think any time a player can play, and I think, by the way, talk about our guy, you want to know what I think really helps when we're down 20 or 17 points? Ain't nobody thinking about anything other than scoring. I said that before. There's no pressure in that. Nobody cares about contracts. Nobody cares about anything on Twitter. You just know, oh, no, we got to get a bunch of points. When quarterbacks play without pressure, that can be a dangerous thing. And that's the thing is it depends on how the defense plays them, right? If they go into prevent and everything, then those guys can just kind of sling the ball around. But when I was watching Blau uh, in between stuff, instead of stuffing my face with turkey and stuffing at my parents' place, he was actually slinging a pretty good ball, and you've got the problem of you don't have tape. You get this third-string guy coming in. He's literally a rookie coming in from a trade from Cleveland. I'm sure the guys in Chicago are like, where's this kid from and what is he doing? Because they were moving the ball really, really well, but then you also saw the rookie moments of, and that's an errant pass that should have been made complete, and it would have got a first down instead. Now you got a punt. So this kid, he's got something there, and I, I made a comment to my family saying they may have found something in this kid, depending on what happens with Stafford, and you got Driscoll, and now you got Sloter and all these guys in Detroit. Oh, I was going to test Cy and see if he knew who the backup <laughs> my quarterback apologies. would oh, be Oh, I knew, I knew Sloter was yeah, there, yeah. baby. Slaughterhouse rules. <laughs> and so basically my favorite thing about watching Blau was, like you said, I think if you're on a 3-7-1 and one team as a rookie, I don't think Matt Patricia's looking at you going, it's on you to get us to the Super Bowl. I think it's just like, go out there and show us something, especially against the Bears on Thanksgiving Day. It's uh, it, it was a 42-30 victory last time we saw him, I believe, week seven. Cousins put up four TDs. Dalvin had a, a big game that, I think, what, 142 yards, something like that, right, yep. Chris? A, I, I do think this is a, a matchup that favors the Vikings, but I think as much as anything, as much as the final score matters, to me it's... I'd like to see how they respond. Some of the things that we talked about when we were going through the Seattle game, how do you come back from that? Uh, Can you take care of business in the way you need to take care of business? Not just uh, my hope 
is that there's not a 30 on the board for Detroit when this thing's over. Yeah, the positive for the Vikings is a lot of their starters or players that they've played against in the in the past, Carryon Johnson, uh, Stafford, uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Hawkinson, they're all injured. They're all on the IR. So they have guys like Bo Scarborough from Alabama is their running back right now. Has there ever been a more Alabama football name? Hey, y'all, I'm Bo Scarborough, and I've carried a rock with a crimson (laughs) turd. What's more more Alabama, Bo or Scarborough? What's more Alabama, Bo or the band Alabama? (laughs) He's been playing pretty darn well. Mike Zimmer, he, he acknowledged Bo in his yeah, well, no, press conference a, on Wednesday. He's a hell of a football player. He, absolutely. He's a huge guy. He wasn't, I mean, he, what was he, a late draft pick or whatever he was? But, man, he's running well. Well, let's hope Let's hope the team can get out there and, and, and do the things that they need to do to respond uh, to the Monday night loss. Because to me, and I don't look ahead, you know, you got to get the Detroit game so you can get the Chargers game. But... The and this is my I tried to touch on this with Anthony Harris, uh, but if you look at what's happening on the other side of the division, everybody who's a Viking fan, by the time you hear this, this game will probably already have taken place, so this won't matter to you. But cross your fingers, sit down, and root for the Chicago Bears. I know that sounds counterintuitive on Thursday night because if they beat the Cowboys, they move to seven and six, and there might just be a little glimmer of hope in their head that they can chase people down. And the following Sunday, they have the Packers. That is our shot. If, if, if they walk into, into Lambeau and pull something off, all of a sudden that game the day before Christmas Eve is once again for the division. Because is, as, as, as well as this team has competed in tough road games, even though we haven't won any of them outside of the Cowboys, it, it is a very daunting task. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's a very daunting task to, for example, go into Green Bay and then into Seattle and then into New Orleans. Those, that is a very, very daunting task. So let's, let's all put our rooting hats on for the Chicago Bears this week against Dallas so they have something to play for, and maybe we'll get this, uh, this thing evened out a little bit Packers-wise. As a Viking fan, that's what it's about. End of the season, Green Bay Packers, everything on the line. Yeah, you can't ask for more than that. And for that game on Monday Night Football on December 23rd, a few days before Christmas, for that game to decide the division, that's all you could ask. That's what you asked for at the beginning. If you can sign all the coaches and upstairs up for that, they they that would be the Christmas gift of the freaking century. So that's what we're hoping for. Let's go, Chicago Bears, big cat. Let's and go. also, we do need to take care of our business. I was I see Joe, I see uh, Jay over there melting into his chair. He's like knocking on all the wood in the room. I, I we do need to take care of business that starts this week. So uh, let's let's close on this, and then I'm going to do a few wrap up things here. But what is the one thing? that you're looking for in this weekend game? What, what's the one thing you're hoping to see from both of you guys? The one thing is I'm going to go with like the same thing from the Broncos game. This is a quarterback who we can make him mis- – uh, Kirk Cousins in the, in the huddle. We can make him miserable. It's your job to make him miserable. He's in no way. He's a rookie. Let's make him miserable right away. I don't want, him, I don't want to see him start out like Brandon Allen. Make him miserable. Let's see the Vikings defense that sacked the Detroit Lions ten times against Matt, 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 like against Stafford at yeah. home last year. I want to see that on David Blau. Make him miserable. That's my take. My biggest thing is uh, the hot topic we were just talking about before. Hot Pro- topic. Further progression for cool the secondary. Cool store for 
Teen goths. <laughs> Listen, I have bought many a T-shirt from Hot Topic. That oh checks God. out. You're welcome. Adult goth, that Jay is... Nelson. <laughs> now, now continue it's adult with your goth. Hot Topic. Yes, yes. Hey, I'm a 20-year veteran of Hot Topic at this point, right? You're welcome. Goth veteran, Jay Nelson. <laughs> My thing is basically that their wide receivers have wreaked havoc on our secondary for the last three seasons. We are one and two against them since uh, U.S. Bank Stadium opened. And in that time frame, basically last year, when Kirk walked in the building and put one on him, we finally got a win against them. But we've had the, the situation where we lost to him in an overtime game when Golden Tate basically ran over Harrison Smith to get into the end zone to win yeah, that it. That was a bummer. That's the thing, is that Detroit plays us tough in our, our building. It's a division game. At the same point, it's not Matt Stafford. So, like you said, make them miserable, get on their wide receivers, and shut them down to the point where you have to rely on a Bo Scarborough to keep them in the game for Detroit. And I'm going to keep on pace with uh, the thing that everybody is getting tired of me talking about, what I would like to see. Uh, I would like to see that hurry-up, no-huddle offense pop up a couple a couple of times. At least by the end of the season, I'd like to see it pop up randomly. So anybody who's, like you said, trying to prepare for us in the playoffs, like, uh, do we prepare for Dalvin? Do we prepare for the wide receivers? you got to be ready for the no-huddle. Like, Full disclaimer. I am wrong about almost everything, and I know nothing about football. But I would love to see, you know, you come out of the second half with a a lead and you just run one right down their throat with some nice pace. Because I I think the team has the option to win a lot of different ways on offense. Uh, A couple of quick clean-up items here. Pro Bowl voting is open now. Go vote for all your favorite Vikings, uh, including on the offense. We're talking Kirk. We're talking Dalvin Cook, Diggs, Thielen. Rudy's really stepping up. The one that, that you and I have talked about a lot, C.J. Ham. Another, by the way, another not just great game blocking, but just a, a huge Receiving play. option. Huge play early in that. It's another thing. you got to prepare for a guy like C.J. Ham. Now you got a fullback who can catch it and turn up the field for 30 or 40 yards. Let's let's put some effort into C.J. Ham. And my guy. Brian O'Neill, I would, I, I think he's playing outstanding, and it's up to us to make happen on the defense. Obviously, uh, Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter's point five sacks away from being the fastest guy ever to fifty sacks. Uh, he's playing well. Linval Kendricks, Barr Smith, our guy who's just on here, Anthony Harris. Easily making a case for consideration there. He leads the team in interceptions. He's playing well all over the speed, all over the field. Go vote now. NFL.com slash Pro Bowl slash ballot in terms of Vikings programming under center with Kirk Cousins. Uh, he talks with Michigan State coaches Tom Izzo and Mark. Is it Mark D'Antonio? I'm going to be honest, and fans are going to be real mad at me. I don't care about college football. I'm a pro guy. <laughs> don't care about it at all. You could have told me that the head of Michigan State's football team was named like Cheese Gunderson. I'd have been like, all right. How about Bo Scarborough? It's yeah, Bo. Uh, every head coach is named Bo Scarborough of college football. Uh, it's typically Tuesday nights on KFAN FM six to seven p.m. You can also get video clips from Vikings.com and YouTube podcast wherever you want it. This podcast uploads every Wednesday. Same thing with the video. If we have anything to offer, Skull Stories this week. Jim Marshall. It'll be Thursday night on KFAN from six thirty to seven, or you can get it wherever podcasts are available. And finally, Chris and. I'll be back for Vikings final prep Friday night on KFAN 6.30 to 7 p.m. And you can get all of our previous episodes on all of our platforms. iTunes, Vikings.com, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, blah, 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 blah. Let's turn this thing around. Let's get a win in U.S. Bank Stadium against the Fighting Kid Rocks. 
and let's uh, let's walk forward in the season. Thanks for listening. See you back. We'll see you soon.